What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GOAT Podcast. It is Wednesday, May 17th, which means we only have three days left on this podcast before I go on a little bit of a vacation. Going to take some time and find myself, I guess. You know, I'm probably going to go up into the mountains and um, just meditate a lot. And, uh, you know, just kind of stop and think, what would life be like if I actually lived with goats? That's a podcast for another day. Today we're reviewing the NFC and AFC North, and we're going to try to go worst to first. And I get it. Some of you will not like these. Some of you will love them. Please remember... The goal of what we're doing this week is we're taking each team's schedule and we're basically looking at it as if the game started next week. Next week, okay? Not in September when they start, but next week. And so as you and I think about what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to start with the NFC North. And that means we have to talk about the worst team in that division, which unfortunately I think is the Chicago Bears. I think it's weird that they could literally get to a point where they had the number one pick. They chose not to make it. They made a trade. And I don't know that they got all that better in the trade. I don't hate every pick that they made, and I certainly don't hate the DJ Moore move, but I, I don't know that they made moves to win their division this year, and so I don't really think that's their plan. And that's going to be evident because they've got a terrible division record. So let's talk about it. Week one, they play the Packers. I just I, I don't see that being a thing. And so I have them losing to the Packers. Week two, I have them beating the Tom Brady-less Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he would have been playing them this time last season, but he's gone. And they don't know who their quarterback is. Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyle Trask, there's rumors that Matt Ryan is going to be approached. Nick Foles, I think, went in for a workout or signed with them. They don't know what they're doing at quarterback. And I think the Buccaneers are, are tanking for Drake May. I have the Chiefs beating the Bears. Mahomes, I think, will always feel slighted by Kansas City. Not by Kansas City. They, they actually valued him. By the Chicago Bears, who had the ability to just make the pick. They could have just drafted him, and they took Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, that's bad. Like, that is colossal, like, failure. Because Mahomes has changed the way the NFL plays, and the Bears just looked at him and said... No, we'll take Mitch Trubisky instead. Brilliant move, Watson. I mean, I don't know what they're doing there. And so I have them losing to the Chiefs, but I have them beating the Broncos in Week 4 and the Commanders in Week 5. So it seems like they're kind of course-correcting. You know, they're 3-2, and two, not terrible, you know, through the first five games, but they lose the next three. They lose to the Vikings, the Raiders, and the Chargers. I then have them beating the Saints... And the Panthers. 
but losing to the Dolphins, being swept by the Vikings, and then after their bye week, getting swept by the Lions as well. So now we're in week 15, and there's just a few games left, and their schedule is somewhat favorable, and I have them winning three out of four. So I do have them gaining some momentum going into the next season. I have them beating the Browns. I have them beating the Cardinals. I have them losing a game against the Falcons and beating the Packers the last week of the regular season. But all in all, that puts the Chicago Bears at 8-9. and nine. I mean, it's an improvement from last year, don't get me wrong, but not by much. Not by much. They go 8-2 and two against losing teams, 0-7 oh against winning teams, and 0-7 oh against playoff teams. Uh, the Bears are bad. They're bad. Third place team. Who's it going to be? Usually this is where we'd talk about the Lions if we weren't talking about them as the worst place team. But it's a new year. It's a new dawn in Detroit. And I don't have Detroit as the third, you know, best team in their division. I have the Packers. And let me be very blunt. Jordan Love, I think, is a franchise quarterback. And I think that that team is very good. I just don't like their schedule. I think there's enough quote-unquote revenge games and enough problems for the Green Bay Packers, not to mention they have to play the Vikings and the Lions four times total, I just think that they're going to have a really bad time. So let's start with week one, they beat the Bears, and they beat the Falcons in week two. They lose to the Saints in week three. I have the Lions beating them in week four. I had Devontae Adams getting some revenge on Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. And I think when you and I study the teams that are going to play against each other today. You're going to see the Lions are hungry. The Vikings are the Vikings. They really didn't change drastically one way or the other. I think the Raiders will beat the Packers, and I actually think the Broncos are going to beat the Packers as well. So they go on a little bit of a losing streak here. They lose three in a row. They only win one out of five. One out of four, I should say. They lose to the Raiders. They go on their bye week. They lose to the Broncos because they have to go all the way out to Denver. That's not an easy place to play. That defense is sure not easy to play, and I just have a feeling that the Broncos are going to be able to beat them. Then the Vikings beat them. Now, I have them beating the Rams, and again, just so you know, and I need to stress this now, I have them beating the Steelers in Week 10. And trust me, as the guy whose only real core memory of Aaron Rodgers is him holding that Lombardi trophy in Dallas as the Steelers were just absolutely shellacked, believe me, I take no joy in putting the Packers over the Steelers in any game, even preseason. But I'm trying to be realistic. 
And I just think the Green Bay Packers, being a team that are a little bit on the edge of being decent, not great, those are the types of teams the Pittsburgh Steelers usually lose to. So I have them beating the Steelers. I have them losing to the Chargers. And I have them beating the Lions. Now that's a big win for them because the Lions are one of the top two teams in this division. And it probably means they're a playoff team. So, them beating the Lions is a huge game, especially considering it's Thanksgiving Day when they do it. But have them beating the Lions and then losing to the Chiefs in Week 13, beating the Giants in Week 14, and the Buccaneers in Week 15. And then I have them losing to the Panthers in Week 16, splitting with the Vikings, and eventually splitting with the Bears. They beat the Vikings in Week 17, but fall to Chicago in Week 18. So, that puts them as well at 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm sorry, we have an extra game now. 8-9. and nine. Missing the playoffs. So, who's number two? Is it Detroit? Is it Minnesota? I know, but you don't. So, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back in 45 minutes, I'll tell you who it is. It's the Vikings. Look, the Vikings are one of those consistently inconsistent teams. They are very, very decent, and they always seem to do well in the regular season, and then they just flounder in the playoffs. But they have a really tough schedule this time around. So let's talk about it. Oh, by the way, let's... The Packers were 6-5 and five against winning teams, 2-4 and four against losing teams, and 4-4 four and four against playoff teams. The Minnesota Vikings, they win Week 1 against the Buccaneers, but lose in Week 2 to the Eagles. They come back and beat the Chargers and the Panthers. They lose in Week 5 to the Chiefs. They win in Week 6 against the Bears. They lose to the 49ers in Week 7. And then there's a ton of purple. They go on a huge win streak here. They beat the Packers, the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, and the Bears in weeks 8 through 12. And then they lose to the Raiders. Not a good look for them. But they beat the Bengals. Big win for them. By the way, everybody talks about the Bengals, and we'll get to them in just a few minutes. I have the Lions beating them in week 16, the Packers beating them in week 17, and then the Lions beating them again in week 18. That puts the Minnesota Vikings at 10 and 7, 6 and 3, or I'm sorry, 3 and 5 against winning teams, 7 and 2 against losing teams, 2 and 5 against playoff teams. I think this is the year where the straw breaks the camel's back for Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings are starting to say, you know, looking into the quarterback market would probably be a smart idea. Which means that the Detroit Lions, as of today, are a playoff team. Not only are they a playoff team, they're the number one team in their division in this scenario. A lot of people criticize their draft. Oh, they took Jack Campbell and Jameer Gibbs at 12 and 18. What are they doing? Yeah, okay. Do you know that there have been plenty of teams who have overdrafted certain positions and people criticized them for it and it worked out? 
The most recent one was Cole Strange. You remember when the New England Patriots picked him in the first round last year and everybody was like, who? And the analysts were saying things like, this is a day three pick at best. That guy had a total, if I counted correctly, of 11 negative plays all season. He played 982 snaps. He allowed five sacks and I believe six penalties. As a rookie, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. What about when the Saints traded all of their draft picks for Ricky Williams at five back in the 99 draft? And everybody talked about how that was the dumbest decision they ever made. Well, Ricky Williams did end up having a good career. What about Adrian James at four, who some people criticized being taken at four? Running back at four? Are you crazy? Adrian James had a very good career. We could go on and on with moves that have been criticized, the players that should not have been taken in the first round, and they were. And they ended up being okay. Now, we could also go the other extreme, too, and talk about all the terrible picks that have been made. But if a team likes a player, and they're building a culture, and they're establishing their will, why not go and get the guy that you want? I can tell you right now, I would have loved it if the Steelers, when they traded up to 14, took Jack Campbell. I would have loved it if he was there at 32. He wasn't. And I think it's because the Lions knew if they didn't take him at 18, he wasn't going to be there. Now, I'll push back just a slight, you know, bit here and say that I read the reports that they said, hey, Jameer Gibbs was going to be our number one pick at six if we didn't trade out with the Cardinals. Okay, now that, that seems a little extreme when... Bijan Robinson was on the board, and he's probably the best running back we've seen since Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. But if Jameer Gibbs goes out there and has an Austin Eckler-type role, notice I didn't say that he plays like him, but that he has a similar role. He's able to catch the ball, he's able to run the ball, and he's a threat to score touchdowns in the red zone. Then that's not a failed first-round pick. Now, if he goes the way of Clyde Edwards-Elaire from 2020... Yeah, that would be considered a failed first-round pick. But we don't know what's going to happen with these guys. It's going to take three years. And as we just saw in 2020, teams are not always that great at scouting. We looked at the first-year option, or fifth-year options that were picked up and not. Teams were 12-20 and 20 in 2020 as to whether they hit or missed. Now, I don't do math very well. But I know that that's probably not a good number, right? So let's talk about the Lions' schedule. And get ready. I believe you're going to be mad, and I don't care. Because this is just a scenario that I came up with on paper, what I see if the games happened next week. I have them losing to the Chiefs in Week 1. The Chiefs are going to be hoisting a Super Bowl banner. I just... You know, I was kind of surprised that was the matchup that the the NFL schedule makers selected. I thought the Chiefs had some better matchups that could have been the opener. And I like the Lions a lot. You'll see that. I have them beating the Seahawks, 
beating the Falcons, beating the the Packers and the Panthers and the Buccaneers and the Ravens and the Raiders all before their nine week nine bye. So they go into the bye week seven and one. They come out of the bye week a little sleepy, a little tired. They have to fly all the way out to L.A., and the Chargers, I think, will beat them. Then they come back at home against the Bears, and I think that they will come away with a win there. The Packers, we said, beat them on Thanksgiving Day, and they don't lose again. Are you hearing me on that? They don't lose again. They beat the Saints. They beat the Bears. They beat the Broncos. I have them beating the Vikings twice in the final three weeks of the regular season and beating the Cowboys. Which means, if this scenario were true, the Detroit Lions would be 14-3. and three. And I know. Stifle the laughter. Because they're the best team in their division right now. At least on paper. I'd rather have Jared Goff than Kirk Cousins, wouldn't you? I'd rather have their defense than the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears, oh my. I mean, Lions and Tigers and Bears. I think the Lions are the most frightened, the most fearsome animal of all. Striking fear into everybody because they went out this offseason and they went broke. They went for broke. I mean, they're literally out for blood. They have a head coach who genuinely said in his first ever press conference, we're looking for guys that will bite kneecaps. And they've improved every season under Dan Campbell. I think they make a huge leap this year. Which brings us to the AFC North. Now, I didn't try to show bias. I'm just going off of what I think will happen. I have the fourth place team in the AFC North being the Cleveland Browns. Look, I know Cleveland beat Pittsburgh in a playoff game a couple of years ago, and I know that a lot of that was due to the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster said, well, the Browns are the Browns. That comment was taken way out of context. What he meant by that were was that the Browns always seem to make questionable decisions. And it hasn't played out for them yet. And they're doing it again. Hey, how do you build a team? What was salary cap and with draft picks? What do the Browns not have a lot of at this point? Well, they don't have much of a salary cap because they've already had to renegotiate Deshaun Watson's deal that was fully guaranteed. The fact that that even happened is a stain on the NFL that they gave him a fully guaranteed contract. It has messed up quarterback negotiations left and right. They already had to renegotiate with him to try to get some salary cap. They still go out and sign some players. They don't draft anybody in this past draft until the third round, and after the draft ended, what do they do? Oh, they go trade for Zadarius Smith, a linebacker in his 30s, and they give up fifth and sixth round picks to do it, because for some reason the Browns have figured out that you can be mediocre and not have draft picks and somehow get better. I don't see it happening. The Browns are in one of the toughest divisions in football, and it's not just because of the rosters, it's because of the way they play against each other. When six of your 17 games 
are against teams that know you well and want to punch you in the face when you walk in the stadium, you're not guaranteed anything. So, I have, in week one, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Browns. I have the Steelers at home beating the Browns on Monday Night Football in week two. I have the Browns then going on a little bit of a win streak, winning two in a row before their bye week against the Titans and the Ravens. The Browns always seem to play the Ravens pretty well. I don't really know what it is. It's it's kind of like the Steelers always seem to play the Browns and Ravens well, but the Bengals are kind of a struggle here lately. Browns have always seemed to play against the Ravens pretty well. They go on their bye week and they come back and they lose to the Niners. That shouldn't be much of a surprise to you. They beat the Colts in week seven. They lose to the Seahawks in week eight. They beat the Cardinals in week nine. They lose to the Ravens in week 10. I have the Steelers beating them in week 11. The Broncos beating them in week 12. In week 13, they do beat the LA Rams only to lose to the Jaguars and the Bears. Then I have them beating the Texans because Deshaun Watson is still going to want to prove something against the Texans and beating the Jets. So I'm I'm being a little fair here. I'm trying to give you guys some benefit of the doubt here. But I have you losing to the Bengals in week 18 and going 1 and 5 in your division. 3 and 8 versus winning teams, 4 and 2 versus losing teams and 1 and 5 against playoff teams. I just don't know at this point in time why I have to be afraid of the Cleveland Browns. And now that I said that, they're going to win the division and go to the Super Bowl. But can you blame me for being skeptical? The Jacoby Brissett experience was decent. It wasn't terrible. But Deshaun Watson came back and looked like he had not seen a football in 14 years. I'm supposed to believe that he's all of a sudden going to be returning to MVP form? I think that's possible with him. I think he's capable But I don't know that their offense got that better. They lost Kareem Hunt. They didn't really add to the running back room. And their defense is getting older. 7 and 10. Third place team. I said months ago now, as a bold prediction, that I thought this team would miss the playoffs. And I still feel like that's possible. I have the third-place team in the AFC North as the Cincinnati Bengals. I know. I get it. Everybody loves the Bengals right now because Joe Burrow this and Joe Burrow that. What's going to happen with Joe Mixon? Did you know that he's currently up in the air as to whether or not he'll stay with the Bengals or even play with them? What's going to happen on their offensive line because Jonah Williams says he wants a trade. Lyle Collins has been hurt. Yeah, they got Orlando Brown, but what's going to happen on the offensive line? What's going to happen in the wide receiver room? What's going to happen in the tight end room? They don't have a tight end, essentially. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Well, let's talk about it. The Bengals beat the Browns in Week 1 only to lose to the Ravens in Week 2. They win three in a a row against the Rams, Titans, and Cardinals, and then in week six, they lose to the Seahawks. 
I have them losing to the 49ers, to the Bills, to come back on the road on, at home and beat the Texans, only to lose to the Ravens. They beat the Steelers in Week 12 and the Jaguars in Week 13, so I'm not totally against them here. But I have the Colts and the Vikings and the Steelers edging them in Weeks 14, 15, and 16. And I have the Bengals beating the Chiefs. Hey now, it's still Burrowhead. And I have them beating the Browns to end the season. I have them going 9-8, and eight, missing the playoffs ever so slightly in a very stacked AFC North. Now, the Baltimore Ravens. Do you really think they got better? Do you really think that the Baltimore Ravens drafting the same style of wide receiver they've drafted the last five years? A guy that's considered to be undersized in many people's minds and needs good quarterback play. Zay Flowers is a great receiver on a terrible team. I heard this stat the other day, and I, I couldn't believe it. But they backed it up. It was on a podcast. I can't remember what podcast it was now. The Baltimore Ravens are the only NFL franchise to not have had a Pro Bowl wide receiver that they have drafted. They're about as good at scouting wide receivers as the Steelers are good at scouting safeties since Palomalu left. Not great. Yeah, we got Minka, but that, I mean, come on. That's Minka. Here we go. Baltimore beats the Texans and the Bengals and the Colts in weeks one through three. Only to lose to the Browns and the Steelers in weeks four and five. But the Steelers aren't any better. Guys, the Steelers' record against the Baltimore Ravens over the last four years now is astronomically better than the other way around. We'll talk about that on another episode in another day. I have them beating the Titans but losing to the Lions, beating the Cardinals but losing to the Seahawks, beating the Bears, the Bengals and the Browns in Weeks 10 and 11, losing to the Chargers, beating the Rams... Rams, sorry, beating the Jaguars and the 49ers, but losing to the Dolphins and Steelers to end their season at 10-7. and And they missed the playoffs. They go 5-3 and three against away teams. I'm sorry, 5-6 and six against winning teams, 5-1 and one against losing teams, and 2-6 and six against playoff teams. By the way, we didn't do that with the, with the Bengals, but I do have them going 3-8 and eight against winning teams, 6-0 and oh versus losing teams, and 3-5 and five versus playoff teams. Okay, here's where I'm going to lose a lot of you, I'm sure. But I have the Pittsburgh Steelers beating everyone in their division and winning the division going 12-5. and five. All right, you done laughing? Now hear me out. We lose in week one to the 49ers. I just, I don't. Let's be real. We beat the Browns, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Ravens, I think, and go 4-0 and over that stretch before our bye week. So we go 4-1 and before the bye. We come off the bye, and we're playing against the Rams. And I think that's a very winnable game. 
And I think we win that game, and so we go to 5-1. and one. We lose to the Jaguars. I mean, I'm realistic. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to carve our defense up. But we do beat the Titans in Week 9. We lose to the Packers in Week 10. We beat the Browns in Week 11 to complete the sweep. And we let the Bengals get the better of us in in their uh, stadium, at Paycor Field or whatever they call it now, in Week 12, losing to them. But we go on a four-game win streak after that. We beat the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, and the Bengals, only to lose to the Seahawks and then beat the Ravens to close out our season at 12-5. and five. Now, I know a lot of people are laughing their heads off at the Pittsburgh Steelers' prospects of even being in the conversation of being competitive. Do you know the one thing that I am sick of hearing? Because at this point, I'm just finally realizing we've been pronounced dead for years, and we're still competitive every season. We buried the career of Ben Roethlisberger, put a nice little bow on it with a final send-off where he beat the Browns one more time to walk off into the sunset without a franchise quarterback for all of 10 minutes. I know Kenny Pickett's stats last year didn't look great. He was a rookie quarterback, and I watched a guy, I think he played for the Bengals, I can't ever remember what his name was, Um, O'Sullivan I think is his name, J.T. O'Sullivan. He has a show where he reviews quarterbacks, and he pointed out that he believes that most of Kenny Pickett's problems last year were due to the immediate pressure that he faced from the left side of the offensive line. Hey, do you know what the Steelers just went and did? They overhauled that offensive line. They're building that picket fence we've been talking about. They're doing what they can to protect the left side of the field so that Kenny Pickett has time to throw. And you have to admit, four comeback wins, four game-winning drives— As a rookie in Pittsburgh, that says something. I'll be very curious to see how well he does this year. If he plays as well as he did last year in the clutch all season, or at least even the majority of the season, I don't think 12-5 and is out of the realm of possibility. They had a, a, a stellar draft. They're still signing players. They signed Hakeem Butler today. Yesterday for you guys. Omar Khan, as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is not Kevin Colbert. And I think that's not a bad thing. But again, to show you some consistency here. Well, they won 12 games. Yeah, but only four of those were against winning teams. They lost four of their five against winning teams. They went 8-1 and one against losing teams, which tells you their schedule is kind of soft. And they went 0-3 oh against playoff teams. So can, can we maybe crush the narrative that you might have had in your head the last five minutes saying, Michael's biased, he's saying the Steelers are going to win the you know, division. Look, we shouldn't have won several of the games we won last year. And we would have been in the playoffs had it not been for that game against the Ravens that we lost. That game against the Dolphins where our defense dropped four interceptions. We could nickel and dime it all day long, and I could convince you that we could have had a 13-4 and record last year if we could have just learned to finish. And we've gotten better since then. So if we can finish this season, 
I don't think 12 and 5 is a stretch. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the AFC and NFC West. Closing out our time together as far as the regular season goes. And then remember Friday. Friday, we're going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. Till then, take care. Take care.